Oklahoma visiting with his um, his family, and um, that's something that had been planned. So uh, anyway, so that's why you got me again today. So good video, right? So today, you know, last week, we're, uh, we are continuing our series of the comeback, our comeback, and last week we talked, if anybody remembers what we talked about, we talked about how God has given us gifts through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, along, coupled with the gifts that we have control of inside of us that he's given us, our talents and our giftings that we would call them, um, and couple those together in order to get us to get to our comeback. Amen? And today, as you see in the video, we're going to talk about who are you surrounding yourself with? Something to really think about. So we're going get, to get right into it, going to have some good points here. So I want to just say first right off, we're just going to get into it. First point is, we want to surround ourselves. First of all, we're going to surround, our, I'm going to talk about who we want to surround ourselves with, but I'm also going to talk about who we don't want to surround ourselves with. And, and I, I want you all to really think about people that I'm surrounding myself with. Are they benefiting me or are they not? And so we need to think about those. So the first, the first point is we want to surround ourselves with people who will communicate truthfully with you, even if it's not what you want to hear. So, of course, we want to surround, you know, it's, it's nice to have people around us who are telling us things that we might want to hear that, you know, might not necessarily be the right thing, but they're, you know, people that are saying, well, that person that hurts you, they're just, you should just pray that the Lord takes their life. You know, just, they're wrong. And no, we want to be surrounded with people who will be honest with us. And, and it will be to our benefit. We may not like it. How many of us like when people give us advice and, and we know there's something to say about the advice they give us and you know that it's probably the right advice, but it, but it hurts sometimes, right? So we want to surround ourselves with those that are honest with us, even if we don't like what they have to hear. So well, let's talk about um, some people in the Bible. Um, l- uh, just to get into it, let's talk about King Solomon. Now, he was King David's son, and he ruled Israel. He was the king of Israel, and he actually was pretty pretty good of a ruler of Israel. Uh, but then he all of a sudden got a little distracted and wound up accumulating lots of foreign wives. Now, you go back, and one of the things that God said to the Israelites, you shall now not marry or intermarry with people from other countries, other, other lands. You shall not marry foreigners. And the reason was that these people that they were intermarrying with were worshiping other gods, gods that were not the one true almighty God. And he knew that if the Israelites were to intermarry with those people, that they would turn away from him. And so he said, don't do it. Don't, marry, don't intermarry with the others. And that's what Solomon did. He actually married. It even said he had over 700 wives. I, I can't imagine that. 
I mean, 700 wives, <coughs> I mean, that's a lot. You know, I, I know these, there are some places now that have people that have, you know, two, three, what, what I, I just, that's, you know, that's not familiar to, I don't think, anybody in here. But there are people that do that. So, um, but 700 wives, and they were all, uh, all foreigners. And so what happened? Solomon worshipped their gods. And here he is, he's king of Israel, and he starts worshipping other gods. And not just one other god, but several other gods. He worshipped their gods. And so God said, okay, if that's how it's going to be, then this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the kingdom away from you. I'm going to take Israel away from you. And, and what he meant by that was away from you. I mean, you know, King David was his father, and I'm going to take it away from, from the, the, the genealogy of King David. But I will wait until you are gone, and I will take it away from your son. So when we say that, let's go ahead and get right into this. 1 Kings 12, and if you've got your Bibles or your phones or your tablets or you want to look on the screen, 1 Kings 12, we're talking about Rehoboam, Solomon's son. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. And as soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, for he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon, then Jeroboam returned from Egypt, and they sent and called him, And Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. Now, let's let's talk about who is it that that came to him. It's people that had served King Solomon, his father. Now these are people that spent years serving Solomon and helping the kingdom to grow and become strong the way it needed to be. And these were more than likely older people, older men, and, and they were wise. Why were they wise? Because they were experienced. They, they experienced a successful kingdom. And so here they are. They're telling Rehoboam, this is what you need to do. You may, your, your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. He said to them, go away for three days, then come again to me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam took counsel. Well, I'm sorry, that was the people. Now we're getting into what I was just saying. Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon and his father while he was yet alive, saying, how do you advise me to answer this people? And they said to him, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them, when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, What do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me? Lighten the yoke that your father put on us. And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, Thus you shall speak to this people who said to you, Your father make our, made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus you shall say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's thighs, and now whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father discipline you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So here, and we're going to go on, but 
here what we're, what we're looking at is he went to the old men, the wise men, and asked their advice, and he, they gave, them, gave him their advice. But he didn't really like what they had to say, okay? Yes, they were experienced, but he didn't like what they had to say. So he went with his friends who he had grown up with and just was like, I, you know, I don't like what they have to say. What do you think I should say? What do you think we should do? And they're telling him, make it harder on him. They're wanting you to make it easier, make it harder on them. So we go on in verse 12. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king said, come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people harshly. And forsaking the counsel that the old men had given him, he spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men, saying, my father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord, that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord spoke by Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. Now I know that's a lot of information. We're going to read one more here in this story. It talks about the kingdom divided. And when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, what portion do we have in David? So basically, we've, we've had David as our king, and now what do we have? What do we get from David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse to your tent, O Israel. Look now to your own house, David. So Israel went to their tents, but Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah. Skip to verse 20. And when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had returned, they sent and called him to the assembly and made him king over all Israel. There was none that followed the house of David but the tribe of Judah only. Okay, that's a lot of information to take in. But what that is saying is Rehoboam, son of King Solomon, he's been king. And now because he listened to people that were not experienced, people that that were he surrounded himself and got the advice from young men who just kind of wanted to you know have it their way and and just get get their way he lost he had been king of Israel and now he's been reduced to one tribe of Israel so he lost the kingdom the sad thing about that is that his grandfather was king David king David ruled Yes, he sinned, but he ruled wonderfully. And the people loved David, and they looked up to him and wanted Rehoboam to continue to be king of Israel. But because of a stupid mistake and because of him listening to people that were not as experienced or wise, he lost it. So when we are faced with something and we're, we're in kind of in a setback, we need to surround ourselves with people who are more wise, who know. Surround yourself with people who are going to speak the word of God into your life, who are going to speak the things that, that are going to be hard. Listen, walking through life and being in a setback and, and, then, and rising into your comeback is not always easy. It's not. But if you surround yourself with the right people and the people that are going to stand by you, I mean, the old men would have stood by Rehoboam and they would have, it, it would have been hard and he would have just spoken 
They would have been speaking the truth to him, and it would have been hard for Rehoboam to hear, but in the end, it would have been beneficial to him because he would have get, gotten to keep the kingdom, right? Let's move on to the next set of people that you want to follow you. You want to be surrounded by people who would follow you even if you let them off the hook. What, what we're saying here, and we'll get into who our examples, but is these are people that are committed to you. They're people that are not looking for any shortcuts. They have an attitude that if they say they're going to do something, they will actually see it through. We talked last week about Ruth and Naomi. You know, if you remember Naomi, her husband died and they had moved and, and she moved with her sons and her sons weren't married and she found wives for her sons and eventually her sons died. And so she turned to her daughters-in-law and she said, you can go back to your families where you've grown up, go back to your homes, I'll be fine. And it was an easy excuse. And so one of the daughters-in-law went. She left Naomi. And Ruth said, no, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to stick next to your side, and I'm going to stay with you. And as we see in the story, Ruth wound up becoming very blessed and increased in, in gifts and money. and I mean, she, she was loved deeply, but she was committed. And Naomi gave her a way out and said, listen, I don't have any other sons for you. You go home. Find somebody else. I have nobody else. And so that's, you know, that was that story. But let's look at the life and the call of Elisha when he was with Elijah. Again, we're talking about people who would follow you even if you let them off the hook, even if you give them an excuse, you know, and say, it's okay. You don't have to, you don't have to follow me, okay? So let's read about the call of Elisha. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. Now, Elisha, from how I read this and how, how I've studied, Elisha had a lot. He was, he had a lot in his life. Um, he was well off. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Now, yes, he went back, but for a moment. A lot of times, peop, you'll, you, people will follow you, and you'll say, it's okay, and, and then you'll say, you know what, I'll be right back, okay? Or somebody says that to you, I'll be right back and I will be with you. And then they get distracted and they don't, they don't come back and follow you. They're not with you when you're in your setback and, and, and they're like, oh, I'll pray for you. And then they don't pray for you. I'll be here for you. And then they've got their family to take care of or their jobs and they never come back and they never return. return. But Elisha did not do that to Elijah. In 2 Kings 2, we, we talk about Elijah taken up to heaven. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, 
Stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Let's skip down to verse 6. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Verse 7, 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at the distance, at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Elisha said, Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Verse 10, you have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. 11, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Now think about that. If Elisha, for one minute, in you hear all of these instances, and I'm sure there were more in in the natural. There probably were more times when Elijah gave him the opportunity to get out, to gave him the opportunity to go back home. Elijah would say, you know what? Just, it's okay. Go back to your family. Like, don't you have something else you need to be doing? Elijah gave him those opportunities. And if Elisha had missed one of those opportunities... You never know what he would have missed out on. We know what he would have missed out on, but you never know when it could have happened. So Elisha was there at the right time that he needed to be there. We need to be surrounded with people that are going to be with us through thick and thin. It may seem like our walk, our our time and our setback, our time climbing the ladder back up to our comeback may take a little while. And we may turn to our friend and say, you know what? I know you've got other responsibilities. You've got so much on your plate. We give them an excuse. But the one that says, no, I made a commitment to you and I'm going to see it through to the end, that are the type, that's the type of person you want to surround yourself with. There are some of you who may not be in, in such a low place and, and hitting rock bottom, but you're still going through some things, and you need people that are committed to you, that are going to stay there. And, and no matter what, you need to surround yourself with those pe- type of people. The third type of person or type of people that we want to surround ourselves with are people like this. People will build you up instead of tearing you down. Come on. You know, we all have things in our life that kind of stress us out. And sometimes we make excuses. Oh, I just didn't get a lot of sleep last night on, on reasons why maybe we might snap at somebody. 
and we might tear a person down. Oh, man, why did I do that? Well, you know what? I wasn't feeling good, and I didn't get a lot of sleep. But we need to make sure that we are surrounded with people who no matter what, no matter what the circumstance looks like, they're building us up. They can love us. They can support us. They can comfort us. But we've got to make sure they are building us up in the spirit, in faith, and not tearing us down. Let's look at the life of Job. Last week we talked about Job. Okay, first of all, Job was married to a woman who said, you know, you're going through all of this this stuff. You've lost all of these things. You're whining. Why don't you just curse God and die? I mean, that's not real supportive, I don't think. <laughs> um, but then in Job 2.11, he has all these friends, right? So when Job's three friends, Eliphaz and Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Namathite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. Okay, so his friends came to sit with him and comfort him and sympathize and pat his back and say, it's going to be okay. But there comes a time, there came a time, Job 4.8 says, my exp- now this is one of his friends is saying this to him. I'm not going to read all of them because they're all about the same. If you've read Job, you know what I'm talking about. So one of his friends, whichever one, my experience shows that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. How many of us have been torn down by somebody when we're going through something? They kick you when you're down. We don't want to be surrounded with people that are going to kick us when, we down, when we're down, right? We want people that are going to build us up. Um, Brent has uh, an uncle and, and his first wife, um, her name is Pam, and she died several years ago um, of cancer. But while she was going through it, she was um, traveling, her and, her and Brent's uncle Dwight were traveling to, um, from Kentucky to Tulsa, Oklahoma to go to prayer school at Rama. And I, I mean, I'd explain that, but, but this is a place where, like, in the afternoons, they are praying over people, and they're, they're not just praying and laying hands on them. They're standing with them and agreeing for healing in their bodies. And um, it's a great experience. And so the, every day they were, they were going, and, and, and Pam was going and sitting in prayer school every single day, getting her faith built up and getting her faith built up and, and really believing and, and digging down in the word of God and digging down in her faith and standing and standing and standing in faith. And she would come home, and she had family members that were crying. Oh, Pam's dying. And they were, they were all, and, and, you know, in the natural, it hurts. I mean, it was like, it was some, it was her close family members, some of her close family members, like siblings and her mom, and so they're sad. Understandable, but the thing is, when we're going through things, when we are believing, and we are trying to build our faith up so that we can get to that door and get through that door of our comeback, we don't need to be surrounded with people that are crying, that are speaking the negative. No matter what the circumstance is, I don't care if the doctor says to you, this is not going to get better. You have six months to live. If you have faith to believe that you're going to live much past six months, much past six years, much past 60 years, then you stay with that faith and you surround yourself with people that are 
of that like faith. Amen? You surround yourself and you don't put up with anything else. It hurts to have to get rid of people in your life or not spend time with people in your life. But when you're going through something, you've got to do everything you can to build yourself up and to get through. Amen? Let's talk about the last group of people. There are people that you want to surround yourself with who will go above and beyond instead of abandoning you, denying you, and betraying you. Well, who do we know that was surrounded with people that abandoned him, betrayed him, and denied him? Now, here's the thing. Um, Jesus, yes, he picked his disciples, and I believe that he might have had a little bit of uh, knowledge about maybe what they were like. But here's the thing, that when Britt and I were working on this message, it kind of excited me because Jesus picked his disciples not because he needed them to benefit him, okay? He didn't. I mean, look at Jesus. I mean, yes, he was flesh when he was on this earth and he was walking on this earth, but he didn't sin at all. He did not need those disciples, but guess what? Those disciples needed him. And he was surrounded by these disciples, these men who not only needed him, but had those disciples had a plan for after Jesus was gone. And so what that means is they needed to be able to experience Jesus and what he did so that they could walk on and when Jesus was gone and they, they could talk about the works that he did and they could perform the same works as what we're supposed to be doing, right? So the disciples were the ones that were surrounding Jesus while he walked on this earth. So that's a little bit of a side note. But here's the thing. We're going to talk. There's a lot of scripture here, but I want you to see this. It's kind of interesting here. We'll start in Mark 14. Okay, let me set this up. They were, Jesus and the disciples were in the upper room having the Last Supper, right? And it says, while they were reclining at the table eating. Now, when you recline, you're comfortable, right? You You are comfortably sitting at the table. When we see the scene of the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, a lot of times it's, you know, when we play it out like in dramas, we're sitting at a on a chair that is probably not very comfortable and just a table. I imagine it like um, there's a restaurant in Kissimmee, a new restaurant called Rock and Brews. Now, Rock and Brews. Yes. Have you been there? Has anybody been there yet? Okay. Have you seen the outside? Have you sat outside where the fire pits are? And there's a table, you can eat there, but you can literally recline. You could probably take a nap on these big couches. It's awesome. And they've got, you know, if it's a little chilly, they've got heat lamps. Okay, so that was a little plug for the restaurant. And the food's really good, too. Anyway, but there's a long wait all the time. So if you don't want to wait, then don't go. Um, But I picture it like that. They were reclining, relaxing at the table together. Now, Jesus and his disciples, who he was surrounded with, He was so close to them. They walked beside him all the time. You would think that they'd get the picture of what was going on here, but I don't think they did. So he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. 
Verse 19, they were saddened, by, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go, just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then skip to verse 27. This is all still at the Last Supper, while they're reclining. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, oh yes, tonight, actually, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the exact same. Okay, so here we've, we're hearing, you know, what is possibly going to happen for them, right? Skip to verse 20 to 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane. Now they've all gone together. They've all, well, except for Judas. They've all stayed together. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here here, and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if, it po- if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup for me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them, what? Sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? This is the closest people to him. He's asking them. Listen, there's some stuff that's going to be going on. I'm giving you a little bit of a hint of things that are going to go on. I need you to keep watch. How do you keep watch if you're sleeping? I imagine there might have been a little bit more of a conversation there. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. Now, I've been in situations where we've been visiting with people, and it gets really, really late, and I'm, like, fighting. I'm sure I'm not the only one. My eyes do not want to stay open. And then I start, my flesh rises up inside of me, and I'm like, okay, that's it. i got to (laughs) go, you know, because I'm about to fall over. So... This happened to them. Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Verse 43 says, Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer, which is Judas, had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Judas, to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. So, betrayal right there, played out completely. Verse 49, Jesus is speaking to everybody that's there. The, the court people, he, they, they haven't even left Gethsemane. And he says, every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. Now, notice, does that say some of them deserted him and fled? A few of them? No. It says everyone. It doesn't say 
everyone that was on the opposing side deserted him and fled. No, everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. So there's another instance of people that you don't want to surround yourself with that are going to flee from you when you're going through problems. I mean, this was the top of the line here. They're arresting Jesus here, and they're running. They're running. Now, I'm going to tell a funny story, and if my family's watching, they're going to probably give me a hard time about this, but <coughs> just because it, <laughs> it, it's just goofy. Um, when I, several, many, many years ago, I, I think, I, I mean, I was probably 20 years old. We were sitting in our living room, our family room. We were watching TV and eating, just watching TV. And, and I think we were eating, like, tortillas with, it was probably some kind of burrito. And somehow I bit into the tortilla and kind of inhaled it, and it kind of got stuck right here. So I was breathing, and it was kind of, you could hear it flapping. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. But it, but it was kind of scary at the same time. So I was, I was freaked out. And I look, and my family, instead of going and trying to help me, they're like, they, they, they went backwards. Like, like uh, they were scared of me. I was like, I'm not a monster. I mean, they flee from me. That was kind of mean. Anyway, I love my family, and I do surround myself with them because they do build me up. So, um, but it's just, oh, okay. So you're, you're, that's life. Anyway, okay, so. His disciples left. They, they fled. Everybody fled. Now let's read about Peter, verse 66. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You are also with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But what did he do? He denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow was one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them. See, not only did he deny it, but he called down curses. I mean, good grief. I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and he wept. Peter was broken. Jesus told him. He already told him. And then he says, I don't remember that. But then he remembered. I mean, so the disciples, unfortunately, they abandoned him. They betrayed him. And they denied him. When you're going through something, you're trying to achieve a comeback in your life, don't surround yourself with people that are going to leave you. Don't surround yourself with people that are going to deny you and, and betray you. And Surround yourself with people that are going to stick. They're going to be there. They're going to be committed. Just a few verses that, that the Bible talks about. Proverbs thirteen twenty: Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. We see that in the life of Rehoboam, Right? Proverbs 22, uh, verses 24 through 25. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Got to make sure we don't surround ourselves with people that are going to 
pop off and say something that everyone's going to regret. 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. If you are going through something or just walking through your life at all, and you've got a good character in Christ, don't hang out with people that don't have good character. Don't hang out with people that are running the bars and running, uh, that sounds like old Pentecostal, but, um, and, and running, doing things that are not, that don't live up to what the word of God wants us to live. Amen? Run with people that have good character. Amen? Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. It's awful to see somebody fall and nobody helps them up. Job 16, 20. My intercessor is my friend. As my eyes pour out tears to God. On behalf of a man, he pleads with God as one pleads for a friend. We have got to surround ourselves with the people that I just talked about. We'll just review it real quick. Surround yourself with people who will communicate truthfully with you. They'll tell you the truth that will be honest with you, even if you don't like it. It will be for your benefit. Surround yourself with people who want to follow you, even if you tell them they don't have to. That they, wanna, they want to be in your presence. That they want to follow you no matter what, through any circumstance. They're committed. They are not looking for any shortcuts. And if they say it, they do it. They follow through. Surround yourself with people who will build you up instead of tearing you down. Don't, don't allow people to tear you down. If you've got people in your life that are tearing you down and not helping you and building you up when you're going through something, get rid of them. I hate to say it, but, but get rid of them. And finally, people who will go, you want to surround yourself with people who will go above and beyond instead of abandoning you, denying you, and betraying you. You need to follow those. I think not just when you're, you've hit rock bottom, not just when you've gone, you're going through something or you're in a setback. We should always be surrounded by these type of people. Amen? Because there are, there are some of us, so, some of you, some people watching online that need to unfriend some people, okay? It's not easy, and it, it, it hurts, but if you, wanna, if you want to achieve and experience a comeback in your life, and you want to achieve success in your life, then you have to surround yourself with these type of people that we talked about. Those we talked about, they're going to help you win. They're going to help you win battles, they're going to help you get up here, and at some point, those that are surrounding you, this whole stage could be filled when you open the door to your comeback, and you step right through. I'm not going to step through there because I'll probably unhook something. You need to surround yourself with the right type of people in your life, and I promise you that when you do that and you follow after what the Word of God says and you follow everything we've talked about in this series, and we're not done with the series, but you follow those, then you're going to find that comeback a lot quicker and a lot easier. Amen? Amen? Amen. Go ahead and bow your heads. Close your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus, for this time right now. We praise you, Father, that, that Lord, you've given us the gifts. You've given us your son, Jesus, 
you died on, that he died on the cross for our sins and, and so that we can experience life and that more abundantly.